0: welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of pastor immanuel iret lead pastor of celebration church international it is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith ready set grow turn your bibles matthew chapter 22 from verse 35 we'll read to 40. matthew 22 from verse 35 to 40. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? You see, many times in the early ministry of Jesus, uh, teachers and lawyers of the law came to him to try to test his knowledge. And they were trying to expose some form of ignorance and they never were successful. And this is one of the instances. And they came and they asked him a simple question. Which one is the greatest Commandment of the law. And Jesus answered in a very remarkable way. Because you see, having asked that question, they must have been expecting for him to pick one of the ten. Oh, thou shalt not kill is the most important. And then they will say, So are you saying that we can have other gods but God? You know, and all of that. They wanted to pitch some commandments against the other. But Jesus replied in a remarkable way. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He says this first and the great commandment. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourselves. Maybe you don't notice what Jesus did here, but it's very brilliant. The first five commandments, when you're talking about the 10 commandments, the first five commandments concern loving the lord you shall have no other god besides me you know you shall observe the sabbath and keep it holy don't blaspheme the name of god you know and all of that and the last five concern love for neighbors you shall not covet your neighbor's property your wife you know and all those things and so jesus lumped everything into one the first five you shall love the lord your god With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, And then the second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what seemed to be ten commandments were actually two. In fact, strictly speaking, one, love. And it says against that there is no law. Come on, are you with me? It means that this is the foundation of all Christian devotion. It doesn't matter what you excel at. If you don't know this one thing, you know nothing. He said, even if you speak with tongues of men and angels, and then he is using exaggeration. You know, it's a manner of speech. All right? So everyone who grows up in an African home knows that kind of speech. If you are crying, your mom says, I'm not going to give you something. And you are crying. Then she will say, if you like, cry from now till... Did she mean that literally? I'm saying that because some people think that there is actually such a thing as tongues of angels. No such thing. He was using a mode of speech called exaggeration. Like, even if you speak in tongues of men and of angels, if you have not love, it profits you nothing. And then he says, even if you give your very body to be burnt. This is very important in the church today, that mistakes all sacrifice for love. He says, even if you give your very body to be burnt, If you have not love, oh my God, that means it is possible to be generous and not be in love. It is possible. It is possible. And ironically, a selfish person can be generous. If he has an interest that is more than money at that time, maybe fame, maybe popularity, he will give all his resources. When you see someone go to a party who didn't plan to be generous and they begin to beat drums for him and call his name and he doesn't want to fall hand, So he begins to bring out money. Is that generosity? No. <laughs> and it's okay for you to want to go the extra mile for people and all of that. Don't get me wrong. It's not in every context that that's wrong. But I'm saying it's different From your heart moving you to be generous. Well, he said you can do all of that and have not love. That you can give your very body to be burned and not be walking in love. You can have a strange motivation for sacrificial things. But God looks at the heart and he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. See, there must be... Love the way God demands it. So someone is saying, well, I come to church regularly. Mm -mm, That's not what he said. When they look at your Christian devotion, there must be a total investment of your mind. Come on, are you with me? Maybe you are here, you are listening to me, but your mind is not here. That's part of what he's saying. Love the Lord your God with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your hearts. There must be a total investment of your life in Christian service. Not part of it. Not half of it. All of it. There must be a baptism of passion. With all your heart. Please, can you all chorus that with all your heart? heart. Personalize it. Say "With with all my heart. Now that's important. And that's... Really what I want to talk about today. If I'm supposed to give this charge a title, I will call it this. The love of God is comparative. It can be measured. It can be measured. God doesn't just say you should love him. There must be an intensity to that love. In this text it says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might... And then in other instances, he gives direct comparison. Peter, lovest thou me more than this? More than this. I know you love me, but do you love me more than this? A definition, the definition of an idol is anything you put above the love of God. That's what an idol is. It may not be a bad thing. It may not be a sinful thing. Never think that an idol is necessarily a sinful thing. But anything that takes the place that should only belong to God in your heart is an idol. Lovest thou me more than this? Jesus spoke. He says, you can't serve two masters. You can't love me and love mammon. Something must give. Please, are you listening to that? Something must give. God claimed claim to love me and love mammon. So now, it's not enough to say I love God. Do I love God more than money? You know, someone told me, I was preaching to someone years ago. A long time ago, more than 10 years ago. And my car was bad, so I decided to use a cab to church. And every time I have that opportunity, I take it as an opportunity to preach to the tactic guy. And he told me in no uncertain terms. He says, a God who cannot give him money, he will never follow such a God. You know? And so, if he goes to church and after a few months, there is no change. He's checking out. You see, it is people like that that the devil knows how to catch. Because As long as you have a price, you can be bought. Somewhere in the deep recesses of your mind, he will come to you with an offer. He will show you all the glories of the world. He will tell you, just bow. Let me tell you something. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It means that no matter what you don't do, as long as you love money, money can make you do it. If you have not stolen before, it's only a matter of time. The opportunity just needs to present itself. You will steal if your back is against the wall. If you've not killed before, you may even look at people who are doing it and criticize them, but you see, that thing in your heart, if you don't deal with it, one day, you will be amazed. You have to deal with all these tendencies. Do you love me more than this? The love of God is comparative. I know it's a miracle service, you see miracles are easy when your heart is aligned i'm telling you when your heart is aligned the love of god is comparative you know jesus went so fast to say this and this has to be explained in its proper context he says except a man hate his father and his mother and follow me he has no part in what i'm doing so now the same God says you shall love and honor your father and your mother. Not only did he say you should do that, he says this is the first commandment to take promise. But he's saying in comparison to your love for him, your love for him should be so high, your honor for him should be so high, that even the love, the selfless sacrificial love for your parents is like hatred. So it's a manner of speech. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you hate your parents, you're in sin. That's not what he's saying. But your love and your honor for God should be so high that you can't compare. Why am I telling you this? It's not enough for you to say, I love God. More than what? More than what? What about more than money? What about more than pleasures of this world? You must Put him high above all things and love him with all your heart, with all your might, and with all your soul. Oh my God. You see, since we are talking about the commandments, I want to quickly show you something. Turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Exodus 34, verse 14. Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. Everybody read together, one, two, go. You shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is, is a what? Oh my God. You see, this is something you probably don't hear often. You've heard of different names of God. Jaira, Nisi. He says, my name is Jealous, and I'm a Jealous God. I don't share. Please, are you listening to this? I, I don't share. And someone says, you know, in fact, some popular people, this is one talking point that atheists use, use. And people who don't really subscribe to the Christian faith, even the popular Oprah Winfrey said, I cannot serve a God who calls jealousy a sin and says he's jealous. It's context. It's context. And people who have a bias against Christianity will fail to see the context. Let me tell you something in case you don't know. If you are dating someone that is not jealous, is a red flag. I hope you know that. If, it, if your boyfriend should call you, babe, where are you? This is 9.30 p.m. They say, oh, I'm chilling with my bestie. <laughs> I'm chilling with Paul, my bestie. They say, oh, okay. Give him the phone, let me greet him. Guy, how far now? Easy oh, easy oh. <laughs> don't worry. <I> mean, <laughs> if you see that, don't worry. There's nothing there. The proof of true love and commitment. There is a type of jealousy. Paul called it godly jealousy. Godly jealousy. He said, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Anybody who is not jealous for you has no plan for you. And you see, the reason many people don't understand that simple text, Exodus 34, 14, is probably the reason you are still single. Wait, let me explain it. Uh, yes. 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 (laughs) Let me explain it. Because look at it. God came to the children of Israel. Said, I want to be your God. So that's like the proposal stage. He was wooing them. He was toasting them. I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. Talking stage. He showed them many signs. First, persuaded Moses. Moses put his rod on the floor. He turned to a serpent. He picked it up. He turned back to a rod. You know, and all of that. And then there were several plagues in Egypt. Do you know what it means to come out of a world power? without an army, that God was your defense. Brought them out to the strong hand. They are there helplessly in front of the Red Sea. The Red Sea divides in front of them. They pass through it. In the wilderness, God is saying, you see, um, you see how I brought you out to the strong hand. I'm just doing all of this so that you can serve me. If you would serve me, I will be this, I will be this to you. He's winning them. They are enjoying it. When they parted the rest of the day, they didn't say, no, we will not go. They took it. They said, thank you. But they didn't want commitment. Are you seeing correlation? Huh? But they didn't want commitment. They got to the other side. They were thirsty. He turned water that was not drinkable to drinkable water. They took it. Oh, thank you. When they were hungry, they were even grumbling. When they they were grumbling, he rained bread from heaven. They ate bread every day. They were satisfied. They said, we want meat. And so he commanded quails to come. They ate meat. They ate till they were full. And now, after everything, after you have gone on 10 dates, God brings you to Sinai. And I say, what are we? What are we? (laughs) This... These are the Ten Commandments. You do, I be, no do. <laughs> you can't keep following me and flirting with other gods. You shall worship no other gods besides me. I'm jealous. Then you now say, why will he say he's jealous? Well, that's why, you see. You see? <laughs> In case you are doing the same thing, that's not how he works. He will come to your house, drive you to walk. Bring you back home, take you on dates, ask you how was church today, share the word of God with you, pray with you. Then after everything, you know, say uh, so, yes or no? You know, say ah, you're like a brother to me. You are, <laughs> <laughs> you, are <wicked. laughs> you are wicked. You are wicked. You're like a brother to me. <laughs> All the things where they do, your brother they do. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, are like a brother to me. <laughs> if I use brother, I knock your head. <laughs> so the truth is, every truly committed person will come to a point where he will say, you know, what are, what is going on? I can't, after all this investment, propose to you, and you're surprised. Huh? Are you acting? What do you do? <laughs> Oh,, uh, what's going on? <laughs> Bring your finger, says? <laughs> Why do <did> they act? <laughs> Hallelujah, I said all of that to say this. God is telling you don't provoke me to jealousy. I cannot bring you out of Egypt. You are still remembering the onions in in Egypt. I bring bread from heaven. I've done all this for you. At some point, you ought to get serious. Please, are you with me? Don't provoke God to jealousy in your life. The almighty God shouldn't be struggling for time in your life. Reminding you to talk to him every time. To trust him. You know, to pray to him. You know, to to go to church. And I'm telling you this. I didn't plan to share this at all. The Lord asked me to share this. Just this morning. Please get serious with God. Get serious with God. Otherwise, if he has multiplied five loaves and two fish, he did it again. Then now you want to make him capture him and make him king so that you can he can start a bread factory for you. He will now say, haven't you learned by now? I am the bread come down from heaven. Do you understand? You've heard me say it a million times and I will say it a billion times more. Stop seeking me for the bread that I give but for the bread that I am. When will you start seeking God with no strings attached? God wants you to learn that. So the love of God is comparative. Comparative. He wants you to seek him as a holy God. You know, a lot of people don't know what that is. Because you see, the word holy is one of the words that have different nuances. And so when people think about holiness, they think about moral excellence and they are not wrong. But there is more to holiness than that. The simple way to know that there is more to holiness than that is that inanimate things were called holy. The Mount Sinai was called the Holy Mount. How could it be a holy mount if holiness is all about moral excellence? Is it that the mount does not use to tell lies, does not use to steal? How is it holy? It means there is a different definition to holiness that must be understood. And that definition to holiness is simply this. Holiness is that which is separate. Separate from common. Do you understand what I'm saying? So for instance, in many African homes... Every plate, everyone can use. But there are some plates plates that are holy. You only bring it out for special events and special people. Come on, don't act like you don't know what I'm saying. There are some plates, those days, if your mom comes back and sees you eating with them, there's a problem. Whatever your definition of holiness, it must tally with the fact that God himself is holy. And God is not trying not to sin. So that's not the definition of holiness. So holiness is excellence. That which is not common. The, the opposite of holiness is common. The opposite of holy is common. Look at First look at Samuel chapter 21 verse 4. I want to be as fast as possible. First Samuel chapter 21 verse 4. It says, and the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is what? Oh my god. Everybody read this together. One to go. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is what? Why is the bread called holy? Because it's for the temple, it's for God. This is not common bread. It's not for common use. So that's the definition of holy. That which is not common. That which is separate. That which is other. O-T-H-E-R. That's holiness. And so now, God says, don't treat the things of God common. There must be sacredness in your house. Sacredness in your life. Start teaching your children when you are singing, singing praises to God and I hope you even sing once in a while. I hope you have family devotion. These are the things you train your children and bring them up in the Lord in. And when, when they are doing that, tell them that's not the time to be looking around, to be playing, to be laughing at each other. This is a sacred time. Please, are you listening to me? You you must have sacred time in your life. Time for God. Time for the things of God. Time for prayer. Until you start treating service as sacred, I think that there is a depth of God you won't get to. If every little chance you get, you just sit at home during service. And your cat is not doing so, man. I I don't think it's right, and it is not a good foundation for your kids. You know, it is statistically proven that when you train your children to treat simple things like church attendance as sacred, they are more likely to stay with God all their lives. They are more likely to. Don't just say, ah. Uh, you know, it drizzled yesterday. We won't go to church today. Ah. Every slight opportunity, please present yourself. Present yourself, and then God is watching. You don't do that for work. I told you, He's jealous. You don't do that for work, you don't do that for other things. It is only the things of God that can come last in your life. He's watching. You don't read your Bible, but you read your books. He's watching. You don't read your Bible, but you prepare for presentations at the office. He's watching. I've told you here before, and I'm saying it again. Whatever else you succeed at in life is witness against you that the reason you're not prosperous in your work with God is because you were on serious. If you finished with 2 one in the university, 2-2 in the university, is proof that if you are serious with the word of God, you will understand it. You just haven't given it the seriousness. You've never given it the time. You've never really seen God as someone deserving of that priority and intentionality. That, my friends, must change. Praise the Lord. And the Lord told me to tell you, if they will open up their hearts to me, Realign their priorities. He says, I will flood in with miracles. He told me to tell you that today. So let this be a self-assessment. Self-assessment. That even if God heals, you must not love healing more than God. Are you getting this? This is the balance in Christianity a lot of people don't understand. That the same apostles that were healing the sick were willing to die. So the ultimate goal is not self-preservation. Are you getting what I'm saying? If they willingly took persecution, it means that the goal was not self-preservation. If they will heal people who are amputees, and yet they don't mind their own hands being cut off, it means that ultimately, it was not about self-preservation. God heals, but it is more than healing. God blesses, but it is more than provision. He says in Romans chapter 8, the last few verses, he says we are counted as sheep for the slaughter, meaning we have a sentence on, of death on ourselves. We are ready to die for this thing. And then he said, what can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or peril or nakedness or sword Not that you're out of job three months. You're asking me to ask God what you did to him. I've heard different funny things. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm saying this because this generation of Christians need to wake up. Brother, you've not been in the workforce for a while. What is going on? And there are personal things I need to sort out. The the moment there is one inconvenience in your life, you don't show up. Meanwhile, you show up every Sunday expecting to see pastor. Or you think pastors don't go through stuff? You know, there was a period in a space of two months, I lost two good cars for different stories, (laughs) different stories, you know. I'll tell the story quickly. One of them, I was, um, it was my wedding anniversary. I went out to spend some time with my wife. And then in the night, I saw a vision that my PA had an accident, my then PA had an accident in my car. So the next day, we're supposed to have a church program. And he came, he said, "Sir, I came for your key so that I can go back and pick your daughters, and bring them to the program. I said, no, you will not pick my daughters. (laughs) me miss you. (laughs) My wife said, why are you saying that? I said, "Mm -mm. don't pick. Are you listening to me? You can take the car, because some things need to be done in church at the venue. Bring it back to me. If He says, I said, hand over to someone else to go and do it today. And it didn't make sense because he he does it every day. So my wife said, Why won't you let him? I called, I said, Don't do it. He said, Okay, sir. I shut the door. As he was going, I opened the door again. Interestingly, his name is also Peter. So the way Jesus asked Peter three times, (laughs) I called him back. I said, Did you hear what I said? Don't go. He said okay, sir. And then I went for the program. They used another car to carry me as I was about to preach. I don't even know which kind of protocol, I think he was still learning. He came to me and said, Sir, don't shout, don't shout. <laughs> Imagine, oh, <you know. laughs> as I was about to go and preach, ah, don't shout. I saw my picture of my car upside down, it had tumbled. Thank God it happened on his way going, not. He had not yet picked my children. Because honestly, at that time, we had only one car seat. So only one of them would have been in the car, and God forbid. I said, what happened? He said he went to church. He was asking, who will go and pick Pastor Chidon? Who? So there was nobody, and he went. You see, the car, we sold it 150K. It was crap. Do you wanna, the car squeezed like this, like paper. Listen, I'm saying, thank God, he came out without a scratch. Because what is car? God forbid, someone's son. Are you getting what I'm saying? They will say, "Hey, hey we knew the way the church is going <laughs> I've been saying it. Ah, <laughs> oh, I thought far. You know, the second one was even a more expensive car. Four times the price of this one. Long story short. um, Someone was bringing it. I lost that car. And funny thing. That car, it it was as if it was cursed. Because when when it was a gift, someone bought it for me. So a friend, I was on my own. A friend said, "Mm, the car already looks good. I have someone who can touch it up for you. You know, you spray it and all of that. I say, okay, take. So they sprayed it. As they were driving it back, I've never driven the car before, the, the, the mechanical accident. <laughs> Climb covered, you know, the gearbox broke, all the gear oil, you know, so I had to change gearbox, and this is an American car, so there were not many spare parts. Yeah, long story short, the car was gone. And then, around that period, the next morning, a church member who parked, I'm not trying to, he parked his car, and I think someone was driving and scratched the car. He parked the car on the road. Someone was driving and scratched the car. So he was frustrated. He snapped the picture and sent to me, he said, sir, please help me ask God what I did to him. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had lost two cars. I had not said a word to anybody. And I'm looking at this guy. Ah! God, they try. (laughs) Sometimes, you you think you are going through problems. You think you are going through problems. (laughs) Car problems alone, the things I've seen. Car problems alone. You know, my wife came to me one day, they said, there's a church member who wants to sell her car, I like it. So, I mean, it was a church member, a serious church member. So, I didn't really do due diligence, and my wife likes it. I'd been thinking of buying her a car, so I bought it for her. That's how one day, I came to my office, I saw DSS. I said, how can I help you? (laughs) They said... That car, robbers came to a house in Abuja at gunpoint, stole the car, drove it to Lagos, sold it to someone, who sold it to someone, who sold it to the church member, who sold it to my wife. At that time, say of my wife and I, the Lord said we should give it to another pastor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we are giving now. So, I called the man of God. Did they call you? <laughs> I. I said, breathe the car, I'll confess. (laughs) So, I mean, I didn't know. And you trust Nigerian police. We went to the police station. Did you know the car was stolen? I said, no. Statement. They say write it. I didn't know the car was stolen. (laughs) Next question. Do you know that I do not know is not permissible in the law? (laughs) They walk. See, they said the way things are going, we arrest you. (laughs) So, oh my God! So that evening we were there for a long time, and everything. My gym instructor was supposed to walk out. He called me, "Uh, sir. I just said, oh, sorry, we can't walk out today. Tomorrow morning. So the next day we were jogging. (laughs) In the next next morning, and I said, "Okay, what happened yesterday?" I said, "Oh, I was in the police station." He said, "Eh?" "He said, and you are here this morning." He said, "I don't understand it. You are so strong." I said, "Now I walk. You won't be pastor. You don't get strong mind. You will just you will just die (laughs) because every day. Are you aware that to be happy as a pastor is a decision?" Because there is no moment there won't be a church member who is not going through something. There is no way to pastor 11,000 people, and you'll be happy every time without deciding. Because every day is either someone's relative died or someone is going through something, if happiness is a choice, except you don't love the bread <laughs> ring. went to the office. And a staff of one of the department was complaining, it's too much work. I, you know, I said, oh, wow. It's too much work. You never see anything. Hallelujah. Please, until you get to a point in your life where you love the Lord more than this, more than the healing that you seek, the provision that you seek, you, you are not growing and the devil can still get you. And so I said all of that to say this. Please take this charge. You will need it. Come on, are you with me? And then the irony is this. When you look beyond yourself, despite your pain, Job is no longer seeking to understand why he's going through all that he's going through. He even begins to pray for others. It it happens in God all the time that that's when things begin to change. It's a principle. Please, are you with me? You know what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1? He says, blessed be the God of all comfort. Who comforts us with the comfort wherewith we comfort others. Meaning, you're not comforting others because there is comfort around you. Hey, it's grace that you can be there for others. You can still do the work of God despite all you're going through. He says "Is God, the God of all comfort. You may know Jaira, you may know the healer, But there is a dimension of God called the God of all comfort where it doesn't make sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? Through the fire, you're still smiling. You must know that God. If you don't know that God, you still have a price. The devil can still get you. If you want to last in this Christian journey, learn what I'm saying. I give you a few minutes. So now, for instance, you might be going through things in your life, but look at what God is doing in your church. Can you look beyond yourself? Can you be thankful for the growth of the gospel in your city? Are you getting what I'm saying? This is the third anniversary. Thank him for the progress of his gospel. Hallelujah. Paul said we are pressed but not crushed. (laughs) Meaning there was pressure but we didn't die. Come on! But not crushed Persecuted but not abandoned Struck down but not destroyed Hey! Are you with me? With all that you are going through Look at you, look at you Has it ever been a time in your life Even the way you are dressing does not make sense With what you are going through That when you told people they were surprised It's the grace of God that covers you Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not packaging You are just so graced There is an aroma around you You don't look like what you've been through. How about you thank God for that? I want to give you a few minutes. Thank Him. Thank Him now in your life. Lord, I might have lost some things. You are the reason I've not lost everything. I still have a reason to dance and to praise and to rejoice. And I'm grateful for that. Thank Him right now. Thank Him right now. You know what? Stand to your feet or take a prayer posture and thank him as fervently as you pray. Those who are fervent in prayer should be fervent in praise. Thank him. Thank this God. The Bible says to count all your blessings and name them one by one. Thank him for the gift of life. No matter what you are going through, at least you are still alive. The Bible says a living dog is better than a dead lion. And that there is hope for a tree. Though it be cut down at the scent of water. Hey, thank him. Thank this God. Thank this God.